0: Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready for you. Get in touch with technologies with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to Tech Stuff. My name is Chris Pallette and I am an editor here at HowStuffWorks.com. Sitting across from me, as usual, is
1: senior writer Jonathan Strickland. Greed is good. Okay, then. That's a Wall Street reference, the sequel of which will be coming out in theaters soon. Wow, really? Yeah. There's a sequel idea. to Wall Street. Yeah. Yeah. It's got, um, it's got a it Shia LaBeouf in it. Anyway, so that uh, the reason I said greed is good is because we're going to talk about currency. Yes, we are. The tech of making money. Yes. What it requires to get the, that uh, cash in your hot little hands. But before we get into that, I thought I'd talk a little bit about the history of currency. Uh, This is kind of a Stuff You Missed in History class mini section. Okay. What, What we should do is get Liz to play the first few notes of the Stuff You Missed in History class theme. So we'll wait. Hi, this is Jonathan, not Katie. Uh, or Sarah, uh, I am not nearly as uh, as articulate or pretty as either of them, and I have far less hair on my head. Uh, so we want to talk about the history of currency. So the first coins, okay, mm-hmm. back back before there were coins, you know, essentially everything was based upon bartering, right? And then there was salt. Yeah, well, again, that's also a kind of currency. True. But, uh, but before coins, yeah, there were some things that would represent wealth right. uh, and could be used in currency. Uh, cocoa beans also were used as currency at one point to help balance out trade systems. Mm-hmm. But really, you know, you got to this point where it just became really difficult to trade stuff for other stuff. Right. So that's when people started coming up with this idea of currency. It's something that represents the purchasing power uh, so that you can get hold of something else. That person can then use that same currency to go and purchase stuff that they need. Okay. It's a brilliant system because it's way more portable than carrying a cow and three chickens with you whenever you want to go and buy some wheat.
0: Nile Ferguson, you're
1: not. Yeah. (laughs) fight me. So anyway, uh let's let's go back to Lydia. Oh, okay. Lydia, that encyclopedia. Lydia which was uh it's a an empire that was uh well where where modern-day Turkey is now. There was a Lydian king who uh mm-hmm. decided to start making coins. Do you know this guy's name? No. Yes, you do, you just don't know who it is. It's Croesus. Oh, yes, Croesus, yes, to be rich as Croesus. well, the reason we say rich as Croesus is because Croesus is the guy who came up with this idea of stamping coins with a uh, imperial emblem on them. They weren't known as Croesus' pieces, were they? Oh oh, I, you know what, folks, If you could have seen his face leading up to that, I could tell that he had something. <laughs> And I, I almost wish I had not paused for breath. Uh, so, yeah, Croesus came up with this idea of, of stamping metal ingots to create coins. And this is around 640 B.C. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's kind of where the idea came from. Now, the idea for a currency, as in paper notes, that came later. Much later. Um, yeah, because, I mean, who the heck trusts paper, right? Chinese did. The Chinese came up with the idea for paper notes well before anyone else did. You yes. bring up a good point. Please. Trust. Trust is very important.
0: Yes. It's all about trust.
1: Currency is based upon trust. Mm -hmm. Uh, In the United States until 1971, that trust was that the piece of paper or the coin that you held represented a certain amount of gold. Right, and that in theory you could go to the U.S. government and exchange your currency for the equivalent value of uh, equivalent amount of gold that would be the same as the value of the currency you were handing over.
0: Right. So you're you're giving them a piece of paper with Benjamin Franklin's picture on it, and, and they they're, they're going to give you gold in right, return.
1: One hundred dollars worth of gold. Exactly. Yeah, since it's a Franklin, mm-hmm. because it's all about the Benjamins, baby. But in 1971, the U.S. decided to abandon the gold standard. That's right. It Really wasn't practical. I mean, there was, it, it reached a point where if everyone turned in their currency, there would not be enough gold to support that. Mm-hmm. They just, there's not enough gold in the reserves to support the currency. So now, um, currency is kind of, the trust is based upon a group hallucination that the money is actually worth something. <laughs> I, was, uh, I, I feel speaking, so much better now. Yeah, I was speaking to our producer, Tyler, and we came to the conclusion that our our trust in the system of money is equivalent to Wiley e. Coyote running off the edge of the cliff before he's noticed that there's nothing under him.
0: You know he never studied
1: law. Right. So if we ever notice <laughs> that money's not really based on anything, there'll be panic and we'll all not be able to buy anything. So just let's continue the group hallucination, please, because I got bills to pay, y'all. <laughs> and uh, but so really, money is just representing buying power. Yeah, how much buying power you have. And uh, we wanted to talk about the tech of making money. And before we we get into the actual tech of it, uh, one other thing I wanted to point out is that you can't solve money problems just by printing more currency. Nope that's not how it works nope uh, it can just doing that first of all you have to find a way of getting currency into circulation mm-hmm. so you can't you can't just print money I mean what are you gonna do give it out to people for free that doesn't work either because that causes inflation because now money has been devalued it's not worth what it what used to be worth and so now you have to have more money to buy the same things that you needed before right um, the way that wealth is generated the way money is actually created is through loans mm-hmm this is getting really technical, but when you take out a loan, you're charged interest, mm-hmm. which means ultimately you're paying back more money than what you got in the first place. Yes, that's what's generating the the money that that is coming out of the you know. Well, well you can print as much money as you want to get into circulation. You have to have the loan system there. Right. Yeah. Also, was not very big in the Bible. <laughs> But, uh at any rate, let's get into the tech of making money and we wa- I wanted to start with coins
0: yeah some of the some of the tech that they use to make money is actually very, very old yeah uh, some of it some of it has been around for centuries and it requires a level of artistry that is phenomenal no, I know and, and this is one of those things that time it comes on uh, one of our the, the uh, channels that make up our parent. Company, uh, one of the Discovery Channels, and there's—I've seen a couple specials yeah. on how they how they make money and how they make the stuff behind money, as in the paper and all the the uh, the things that become money,
1: right? Just right. fascinating. The stuff metal to me. stuff, and yeah, yeah, alloys so- and all that. Yeah, if we're going with coins, uh, we're gonna stick mainly to the United States, I think. Mostly because, I mean, that's where we live, so it's the information that's easiest for us to access. Yeah. But really, uh, most of these processes are similar throughout the world. They may not be using exactly the same kinds of machines, but they're using a very similar process. Yeah. So, to, to make a coin, uh, it's a fairly complex process. The, the first thing you're gonna need, um, well, there's two two main things you're going to need. You're going to need a die. Yes. Actually, a pair of die. Mm-hmm. Um, not like dice, like six-sided dice. Not that kind of die. it's going to say, come on, big seven. Kind of like a stamp. Yes. Okay. You're going to need uh, a really, really high-quality stamp. Mm-hmm. And you're going to need metal. Yes. Uh, so with designing the stamp, let, I guess we can start with that because that's really the basis of all the, the coins that we create. There's a lot of
0: uh, newer tech involved in creating uh, the stamp yeah. these days. Because uh, in in uh, in earlier times, you would have to have the designer actually do this by, uh, by hand, make the design by hand first. And computers can be used to do that, although not always.
1: Yeah. Uh, in general, if you're doing it the old way, mm-hmm. let's say, you get, uh, and, and the old way being not that old, just so you know, because, I mean, the old, old way is that you would Develop a, a stamp, and you would use a hammer and anvil to create these things. But that's getting a little too old, right? Uh, the modern era of making currency, you have an engraver who designs the coin to very specific uh, standards. Yes. You know, so this is the engraver has to design the coin. The design has to be approved uh, before anything else can happen, uh, and then assuming that you're using the old method, where you're you're not digitally modeling stuff, mm-hmm. the engraver would use clay or some other modeling material to build the first model of the coin, which is going to be much larger than the, the eventual actual coin will be. Right. From that mold, uh, from that model, rather, uh, you create a mold using um, something like plastiline. And then uh, you pour Plaster of Paris into that. And this is able plas- – the reason we use Plaster of Paris is because it can pick up details, really fine details, and and represent them accurately. Mm-hmm. So now you've got a plaster model of the, the coin. Um, and then from that, you have a, a machine that creates a copper mold of it called a galvano. Ooh. Yeah. I didn't have that. Yeah. Uh, and then you make an even smaller model of it. It's called a hub, and this is made out of steel. And then you, the master hub is called the die. Uh, so that you have a steel die that looks exactly the way your coin's going to look, but kind of in reverse, because it's a stamp. Mm-hmm. And uh, you have to have two of those, because you have to have one for the front and one for the back. And... Um, and so that's that's how you create your your stamp. There's actually uh even more involved in that. I mean there's this whole polishing section that has to it has to go through. Uh by the time that the the steel die is ready to be used, it has a mirror like finish because it's been polished so finely. Mm-hmm. All right? So that's your stamping stuff. Now you gotta have something to stamp. Right. Now in, in the United States, uh, it's a mixture of copper and nickel mainly. Although you also have zinc plated copper, you have um, or or copper plated zinc rather, not the other way around. Why, mm-hmm. why would you have zinc plated copper? Uh, that would be unusual. And we haven't always used the exact same metals uh, throughout or and alloys throughout the history of currency. You can find some interesting. Uh, uh, facts about the various metals that have been used, and in most cases, it tends to be something like war broke out, and suddenly we didn't have access to all the metals that we used to use for coins. As a matter of fact, um, my father, who was in World War II,
0: um, has a box of steel pennies. Yeah. Because uh, during World War II, they used steel to make pennies instead of copper for reasons of the war effort, and uh, so I have a whole bunch of those, and they're worth, you know, about a penny. Nice. Well, to the government, they are they are worth exactly what they're worth. So, yeah. um, you could have a collectible coin who would which would be worth a lot of money to a collector. You take it to the government; it's worth exactly. You know, it's just like a, like stamps are. Right. Stamps are worth. You know, if you put a a very very rare, like, you know, say you put a, an inverted Jenny, in right. an envelope. It's worth exactly to the post office, you know, postage. You'd still have to add postage to it. Right. To yeah, mail you, might it be able to sell it,
1: you might be able to sell it to a collector for thousands of dollars. Exactly. But, as, but the government's going to take it at face value.
0: Yes, exactly. And that's, again, that goes back to our trust thing. Anyway, um, so, yeah. All right. So Steel we, pennies.
1: Yeah. So let's talk about the metal. You get these, you get melt big bars of metal. You melt them down in a furnace. You pour them into uh, to ingot forms. And then. Ingot. You, Yes. I like that word. And you cool that down. You use water, by the way, to cool it. Uh, and then it actually uses a couple different cooling systems. And then you take that to a rolling mill, which is going to turn it into flat sheets. Mm-hmm. Okay? Now, um, the the U.S. Mint pretty much gets these, these flat sheets in coils. Yes, they, they do. They feed the coil. Um, the coils are, let's see, I've actually got the, the stats here. Mm-hmm. A foot wide. 1,500 feet long, about as thick as the final coin tends to be, and it weighs about 6,000 pounds. Yes, yes.
0: Actually, there there are some great photos of this, along with a lot more detail than we'll probably get into in the podcast at uh, usmint.gov. Yes. Awesome so, details, and then photos are, you know, because you could see these huge uh, coils of metal, right. which are uh, pretty
1: awesome. It's pretty in- in- intimidating, really, because you think, wow, that's that's a lot of metal. Mm-hmm. Um now, this, these strips, these coils, get fed through a machine called a blanking presser. Mm-hmm. Now, the blanking presser, essentially, what that does is it cuts the the metal sheets into the coin shape. Um, yes. It actually, cuts them into slightly the slightly larger diameter than the way the coin will eventually uh, appear because it, it has to create a little extra metal on the edges to create a rim. Mm-hmm. So you put it through the the blanker, the blanking presser, get and you get the blanks. That's what the the unmarked flat discs of metal are called. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get the blanks. You then have to soften them. Yes, which you do by putting them into a furnace. Uh, you the furnace is about seven hundred degrees Celsius or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, this softens them a little bit. Then you have to cool them and clean them, uh, and it's. Uh, it's, it's a, a process that actually uses various chemicals to clean them. You're not just, you know, putting them through a washing machine. Although it's in a machine that does look like a washing machine, it does spin them. Um, yeah, um,
0: although uh, that's not necessarily true for, for everything because the golden dollars go through true. a slightly different process yeah. uh, in which they, uh, they use steel shot. To yeah, burnish the metal. Kind of like
1: BBs. Yeah, a little bit like BBs. You, you put it in there, and that way it, it polishes them through brute force. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah, the, the, the spinny thing, did you happen to see what that's the called? spinny thing? Well, did you see what it's called? Um, no. It's the Whirl away. Oh, yes. So spinny thing that. is not that Sp- big a leap from the technical term of the whirl away.
0: That's true. Actually, it sounds like something you'd uh, see at the local carnival at your shopping mall that sets up, and you're going, I'm not sure. I want to ride that thing.
1: Yeah, and. and Get uh, on the roll away. Yeah, exactly. We'll polish away your impurities. And we'll also take your money. So you then, uh, once, once you've cleaned and dried the coins, mm-hmm. um, they move to a, a thing called the upsetting mill. Yes. It's very upsetting. I was going to say, I'm, I'm sure they feel terrible after that. Right. So the, this is the thing that creates the rim around the edge of the coin. Mm-hmm. And uh, so once the, the upsetting mill is done, the coin should be the right diameter. Right. It should be the, the same size that it's going to be once it's stamped. Yep. Um, and, uh, and it's done for a very important reason.
0: It helps, in, you know, by raising the rim, it helps them uh, stack... The coins a little bit better. You'll notice that the you know it's got sort of a firm edge around it. Uh, also helps keep the coins from eroding, right? And that's because that's one of the benefits of of using coins. One of the reasons the uh, the United States government is pushing the golden dollars so much is they last a whole lot longer than paper
1: money. Yeah, you don't have to keep making as much. Yes, you can you know you can make it as as circulation requires, but um, you don't have to worry about. You no, know, the useful life of a dollar might be a decade, but the useful life of a coin is could be long, longer. Could be than that. really long time. Actually, I don't think paper money. No, it's uh, not even a decade. No, <laughs> I just, I just used that as I just right. pulled that out of nowhere.
0: Yeah, but yeah, like so somebody we, would write in and say, "No, it's someone more like a someone has paused year the podcast years. already. I'm sure."
1: And they have written in and uh, to you, sir uh, or madam, I would like to say, please listen to the show all the way through before you write us, because sometimes we correct ourselves. Not often I will grant you, but sometimes. <laughs> so at any rate, uh, the next stage is uh, where they they uh, might have to to. Uh, well, I guess the the coining is the next stage, depending right. on whether or not you need to put ridges on the edge. Right. The reeds. The reeds. Yes. Reading. Yes. Reading. Reading is fundamental. At least for, you know, dimes or quarters. Yes, it's R-E-E-D-I-N-G. Right. And then it would be coining. So I'm glad that you brought that up because I almost totally forgot. Uh, And this is where we add the actual design of the coin to the, the blank, which now, by the way, is no longer called a blank. Yes. Once you've added the rim, it's become a new thing called the planchette.
0: Yes. No relation to Kate.
1: Yeah. Thanks. Planchette with a the P. P, as in poppies, and um, they'll make you sleep. Yes. So once you get to the coining, this is where those die that we talked about the mm-hmm. come in, and uh, you've got they usually refer to the die in two different terms. Right. Which are very simple. You got the uh, the anvil and the hammer. Huh. The anvil is going to remain stationary. The hammer is going to strike the coin, which is resting on the anvil. And the force of the impact is going to stamp that design on the planchet mm-hmm. and make mm-hmm. it a coin.
0: Right. And uh, yeah, it re- resembles a, a hammer and an anvil in function more so I mean, than form, because, I mean, you wouldn't recognize it as a hammer and an anvil. In the you know, Looney Tune sense right. of something dropping on your head. Although I wouldn't want either one of those to drop on my head.
1: I also would not want those to drop on your head. But um yeah, after after they become
0: coins, uh, of course they are. They go to a bin where they are inspected. Somebody takes a look at them, make sure makes sure that they are okay. And I mean, anything that that's not acceptable uh, goes back for recycling. As is the webbing for when they make, from when they make the blanks. Yeah, the, yeah, the, the metal that goes that that they can't use that's right. around it that gets recycled as well. Right.
1: All the webbing is the excess metal after the stamping process. Because so, of course, if you stamp a bunch of circular. Things out of a sheet of metal, you're going to be left with excess pieces. Yeah, and quite that, a bit of metal right. left over. So that all gets melted down and recycled, as do any irregular coins. Mm-hmm. Um, they actually the uh, the they first irregular coins before you melt them down, they have to be destroyed or they have to be uh, marred so that it's clear that they okay. are not valid currency. Right. To do so, they put them in special machines called wafflers. Mm. I love the technology jargon of making currency. <laughs> Rollaways and Whirlaways wafflers. Rollaways and wafflers. Man, it sounds like a county fair. I know. It's a county fair where all the prizes are money. <laughs> Sign me up. Um, so, yeah, these, uh, these actually use high-pressure rollers to kind of put a, a, a predetermined pattern, a ridged pattern across yeah. the coin that automatically marks them as being not viable. Yes. Uh, and then they get uh, sent to the recycling furnace. And then uh, uh, the the uh, coins that are actually acceptable, they fall into a box called a trap. Now, this part I don't like. I don't want to fall into a trap at my Whirlaway Waffler fair.
0: I'm just waiting for you to do it. To fall into a trap? No, to bring uh,
1: Admiral Akbar into yes. <laughs> it? Yes. It's a trap! <laughs> Nothing could penetrate the shields. Um, that was terrible. That was like the world's worst Admiral Akbar accent. Please don't write me. Remember what I said about pausing the podcast. Um, I have a quick thing of trivia before we move on to currency. Okay. Or to paper, paper money. Currency, yes. Paper money. Do you know why, out of all the coins in. Uh, that are in United States circulation why the penny and nickel are the only ones to have images that don't face to the left no why well, shucks I was kind of hoping you knew <laughs> that's gonna make this weird no okay um, so there are a lot of different theories you know so the penny of course has a uh, Lincoln mm-hmm. there and the nickel has a uh, Jefferson yes and um, has nothing to do with who they are beyond a very simple point. So the Abraham Lincoln penny was minted back in 1908, and it was to commemorate the 100-year anniversary of Lincoln's birth. Yes. Uh, and uh, Theodore Roosevelt, who was president at the time, chose a sculptor named Victor David Brenner to design the penny. Now, Brenner had created a, uh, a bust of uh, a plaque, really not a bust, but a plaque of... Of Lincoln, that had him um, uh, facing to the uh, to the right. It was based off a photo of Lincoln where Lincoln was facing to the right. Mm-hmm. That's the reason why the penny Lincoln faces to the right. It's not. There's no conspiracy or weird philosophical thing about it. It's, it's because the photo that was used to create a plaque that was in turn used to create the portrait in the penny, Lincoln was facing to the right. All right. Now, Jefferson is a little weird. He started facing out on the left back in 1938. Mm-hmm. Uh, 2003, he decided to look around. He did? No, nah, he 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 didn't. He was in no position at that point. But the president had enacted a law to revise the nickel, and this was to commemorate the bicentenary, bicentenary of uh, Lewis and Clark. Oh. Which makes per- perfect sense, right? Yes. If you're going to celebrate Lewis and Clark, why not change the nickel.
0: Um, Well, you know, he was the guy who sent them out there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So the U.S. Mint uh, decided to make a series of nickels. Yes. So it's not just one. Uh, So 2004 series, Jefferson was facing to the left, right? And the reverse of the nickel was changed. Right. In 2005, Jefferson's facing to the right. Mm -hmm. And the word liberty is... uh, uh, engraved next to him is based off of Jefferson's handwriting. Mm-hmm. And in 2006, he's facing forward. It's based off a, a portrait that was done by Rembrandt Peel. So uh, this and it also was the first coin in U.S. circulation, actual official U.S. coin, where it did not feature the person on the coin depicted in profile. Right. So That's there you right. go. That's your trivia. All right. There's no weird conspiracy thing behind any of it. It's just a, you know, just like anything in the government tends to have a pretty mundane explanation at the end of it. <laughs> but let's get on to paper
0: money. Yeah, while the uh, while the Mint... Works on the coins. Uh, we've got a lot of people working on paper money, including the Federal Reserve Board, uh, the Bureau of Engraving and Printing, and the U.S. Secret Service are all working on the tech of, of paper money. And, uh, you know, paper money, you would figure, has uh, quite a bit of uh, security risk involved because, I mean, shouldn't you be able to throw a whole bunch of dollar bills on a photocopying machine? And have the you know, ability to print as many copies as you want? Well, it doesn't quite work that way, but paper money is a lot easier to copy, I would assume, than a coin, which you would actually have to mint.
1: Right. Um, yeah. It, on the face of it, it is much simpler <laughs> to make the copy. you uh, can't make heads or tails of it. Right. So in order to make it more difficult, you have to come up with various... Uh, various uh, schemes to create a secure paper money currency. And so the, in the United States, they've used lots and lots of different techniques mm-hmm. um, for one, it's printed on special paper.
0: Yes, that's one of those things that you would say is very uh, non-technical. But I would I would beg to differ because yeah. there the the paper is a certain composition. It's got to have uh, certain types of red and blue threads that mm-hmm. go through it now, um, and it comes from from a supplier, a, a particular supplier who's been doing it for a very very long time.
1: And it's got a little bit of linen in it too.
0: Yeah, it's made from cotton and linen, not so, wood.
1: Yeah, so it's. It's got a, it's got a very particular feel, and if mm-hmm. you pick up a counterfeit dollar, there's a good chance that if it's not made on the same sort of stuff, you would tell almost immediately. Like, well, this is the wrong weight and texture for a dollar. This this doesn't feel right. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's one thing. You've got your your base material, which is a little uh, is is a little different. You've mm-hmm. then got the various dyes of ink, where it's a, in the old dollars. It was you know like this greenish ink where that was kind of hard to, to replicate. It's even more difficult now, because mm-hmm. now they use inks that are uh, ha- have sort of a photoreactive, uh, almost a photoreactive kind of element to them, in that if you tilt the dollar bill a certain way, the color changes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's because the the special inks that they're using, again, it's hard to replicate that, so it's a it's an anti-counterfeiting measure. Um, and I'm talking specifically about the inks that are used to print, like the the... Dollar amount, as opposed to the color of the paper itself, the U.S. government will tell you that basing a decision on whether a bill is counterfeit or not based solely upon the color of the the bill is a bad idea. Yes, because uh, that can that can at least be simulated somewhat. Easily, mm-hmm. um, but another very simple way, really, a very elegant way that the money is uh, got an anti-counterfeit measure on it is that it uses lots of really tiny writing.
0: Yes, it does microprinting.
1: Microprinting and tiny uh, line patterns throughout the the bill, mm-hmm. which are very difficult to get a high resolution picture of. You know, most especially early in, earlier in the days of uh, printing money, it was very hard to get a an accurate. Um, a Simulation of those—you pretty much would need to get hold of the original plates, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, because those those—it's so tiny that it was very difficult to make a, a simulation.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, the uh, the the circular lines around the portrait sort of create this you know moiré effect where if you tried to stick it on a, a photocopier machine. Um, that it would give you a, a very blurry appearance because I mean that's the whole point of the microprinting and the uh, the lines is that if you try to use modern technology like a simple way like that without trying to make plates yourself and you're just trying to to, to scan a copy on your computer scanner or using a photocopier it's just it's going to be so blurry that it's become it will become obvious to somebody you try to pass that bill to that it's not real.
1: Right. So let's talk a little bit briefly, and then I think we'll finish up with kind of some of the new designs that are going to be on the hundred dollar bill that comes sure. out in uh, twenty eleven. Uh, let's talk a little bit about what they're actually doing to make this money. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're using the intaglio printing method.
0: I thought that was intaglio.
1: No, intaglio. Okay. Uh, I listened. The the Italian to- G
0: always fools me. Yeah.
1: Well, it, it may be in Italy, it's pronounced that way, but darn it, here in the south, we're calling it. Antaglio. Um, anyway, the uh, it, you have an engraver, just like mm-hmm. it with the coins, who creates a an original steel plate, and mm-hmm. this can have very very fine detail on it. And then you have a you put the plates into the printing press. You coat the plates with uh, the correct ink. Mm-hmm. You then wipe the excess ink off the plates so that the only ink still on the plates is collected in the little grooves. Yes. And then you run the paper through the printing press, and the press goes up and down, pressing against the paper very, very rapidly. And it uh, actually creates little raised elements on the bill because uh, that's what gets get pushed up into the grooves and then coated with the ink.
0: Right. At 7,500 to 15,000 pounds per square inch, um, it is going to be embossing that paper. Yes. Um,
1: Again, and this is another thing that helps you detect if it's a counterfeit bill you run your finger across the the bill, and if you don't feel that texture, that, that difference in – I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a tiny, tiny difference in height, but we can feel that. If it feels perfectly smooth, then you're thinking, ah, huh, something's a little hinky here. <laughs> That's a technical term. That's right. And also, uh, not everything is printed on the bill when it runs through that first um, – that first – Printing run, of, and and they have to print one side and then let it dry and then print the other side. Mm-hmm. You can't print both at the same time. But uh, like the Treasury seal, the Federal Reserve seal, and the serial numbers are not printed. During this process. That's right. Which makes sense because, I mean, you couldn't put the serial number on the master steel plate because they would all have the same serial number, thus negating the whole purpose of it in the first place. Yeah,
0: that's also another sign. If you have uh, a bunch of bills that all have the same serial number, chances
1: are those might be hinky. (laughs) So, yeah, you have to run them through printing. At least three times: mm-hmm. once for the front, once for the back, and then again to, to the put the stuff extra stuff added. Mm-hmm. Um, and depending upon the complexity of the bill, it may be a, another printing run because you're talking about using different dyes. You're using the special photo reflective dyes, that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. um, or dyes that show up when you put them under an ultraviolet light, that kind of thing. So let's it, talk. I'm uh, sorry. I was going to
0: say that the uh, the way they do the. Uh, the ink now, it's got metallic flakes in it, which yes. appear because of the light diffraction and changing the wavelength depending on uh, the metallic flakes position, it makes it appear green at some angles and black at others. Right. Which is an effect very hard to duplicate unless you have the exclusive ink used uh, by the Bureau of Engraving and Printing.
1: Right. Yeah, kind of hard to get your hands on, as it turns out. It's kind of the whole idea behind it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, now in, in 2003 that's when the United States government started to redesign currency mm-hmm. and the first bill was the $20 bill to get the new redesign and that's when we started seeing some of these these elements these more advanced anti-counterfeiting measures added in where you know that's where everyone's like hey this bill looks weird cuz now there's this kind of peach coloration and the mm-hmm. the dye doesn't look exactly the same well that was all to kind of help with the whole anti-counterfeiting Movement yeah, that that uh,
0: new bill launched on October ninth, two thousand and three, and it also had uh, another security feature in it. What's uh, that? If I'm not mistaken, that was uh, the first one to have the uh, the ribbon.
1: Going uh, yes, it. yes, where it has the security thread. Yes, the security thread, which and again, if the security thread is not in the bill, then that's a the science of counterfeit. Yep. Um and I remember people doing
0: that specifically
1: uh, snipping. It's like,
0: look, it's got a security thread, and they would snip, you know, just the end of the bill, and they would pull it out to show that it was intact. I'm like, yeah, but now it now it's, no longer yeah. has a security thread. Hey,
1: you're going to have to spend that someplace where people aren't paying attention. Yes, um, because people do pay attention. That's the whole point. Yeah, the that's one of the advantages of having paper currency is that if you want to redesign your currency, you you know, you don't have to wait forever for the. Old currency to wear out. It's going to do that on its own, just through use, yes. just through sort of being handled. Mm-hmm. So eventually, the older bills, which you know are still legal tender, will be so worn that they'll just get cycled out of currency, mm-hmm. and banks will do it too. I mean, like you, you essentially exchange the old bills for new ones, and you destroy the old ones.
0: Yes, and you can buy a bag of shredded money from the government. Yeah, they'll be happy to for, sell
1: it to you. Yeah, who for who'd actual money? It? Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm not going to go there. Fifty thousand dollars confetti for my party, uh, and the new hundred dollar bill is going to have some pretty cool stuff in it too. It's got you know you got like the watermark, you've got the special dye, you have a three D ribbon in there.
0: Yeah, the uh, the new bill is going uh, into circulation in February of next year, uh, which for us now at the moment we are recording it is t- uh, 2011, and it's uh, it 2011 does
1: have- is when it comes out. We're recording in 2010. Just in case you're, right. Right, I'm, unna- I'm Unable
0: to follow Mr. Paulette's syntax. Yeah, I'm. I'm not able to follow it. <laughs> I'm trying to wean myself from coffee. Um, so yes, it has got a, a brand new security thread, which is a lot more obvious than the yeah. old one. And you can you can learn more about this at newmoney.gov. But we can go through some of the the details. Yeah,
1: you can see on it. It has some uh, Liberty bells and uh, and the hundred as uh, the denomination of the bill on there. And when you tilt it, they seem to move around. They're using kind of this. Weird little holographic kind of effect, and uh, you might be wondering how they do this. So, so are we? Are we. <laughs> yeah, as it turns out, they they are being fairly secret about uh, secretive about the whole process. I guess mainly because they don't want people making them themselves. <laughs> <laughs> but at any rate, it's really hard to f- find out exactly the techniques they're using. Now, we can, we could make some guesses, but we are currently running up to almost 35 minutes in length on this show. So I'm thinking that we're going to have to not guess
0: now. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the other, the other major new security feature is the bell and the inkwell. Yes. There's an inkwell and a bell, Liberty Bell, printed on it. And I think it's a Liberty Bell. It looked like one to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And at at one angle, this is, again, a a trick of light diffraction. At one angle, they both look copper. Uh, But if as you move the bill and and change the direction, um, the bell appears to change to a green color. Yeah. And part of the reason they have added these new, particularly new security features, is to also help make these new bills uh, detectable if you're in a low-light situation, which was not always the case. It's it's not always easy, like in a a poorly lit restaurant, to figure out... Whether you have the money without holding the bill up to the light, which is not necessarily convenient, so yeah, it's hard to st- tell a counterfeit bill when you're taking somebody's money at the uh, at the table,
1: right? Or say at a toll booth where it's the middle of the night and someone's going through a toll booth and using a large bill and expecting lots of change back. Yes, I'm not saying that that's a place where people try and pass off a lot of counterfeit money. I'm just saying that's a place where people try and pass off a lot of counterfeit money. Okay. Okay.
0: I had no idea.
1: Uh, Well, you know, you watch enough movies or you have a relative who's in the police force. Um, You find these things out. So we're going to wrap this up because we have gone on and on and on about this. Like I said, I find this this really fascinating and. With the $100 bill coming out, that's going to be the most technologically advanced dollar that we've ever seen. Um, Also, just in case you were wondering, the $100 bill is the highest denomination that they currently print now. Although
0: they have printed higher denominations in the past, and those are no longer being introduced. Yeah, because
1: we can do electronic transfers now. So we don't need those higher denominations the way we used to. Do you know what the highest was? Oh, I can't remember. One hundred grand. Okay. And I was the, gonna say hundred thousand, but and I, do you know who was on it? Um no. Woodrow Wilson.
0: There's some I, trivia for is, you. You know, I, I looked that up a long time ago, probably like a year, year and a half ago, and it was fascinating, but I I didn't look it up again for the podcast.
1: So yeah, you guys who play bar trivia, if you're ever asked what was the highest denomination bill ever printed in the United States, it was one hundred thousand dollars, and Woodrow Wilson was on it.
0: Although somebody did try to pass a one million dollar bill at a Walmart and had this. Up, shut up! Okay,
1: shut up! dude, no, I'm not real. Okay, next time I'm going to Target. All right, guys. Well, this wraps up this discussion. I hope you enjoyed it. If you have any questions or you have a suggestion for a future podcast, you can write us. Our email address is textup at HowStuffWorks.com and we will talk to you again really soon.
0: If you're a Tech Stuff fan, be sure to check us out on Twitter. TechStuffHSW is our handle and you can also find us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash TechStuffHSW. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com and be sure to check out the new Tech
1: Stuff blog now on the HowStuffWorks homepage. you. Brought to you by the Reinvented 2012 Camry.
0: It's ready for you.